Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Once again, it's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. GEICO.com. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave. This is Dan Patrick. Final hour on this Thursday. Dan and the Danettes. Minus Fritzy still out today. Hopefully he gets a chance to come back tomorrow. Glad you're part of the program, whether you're watching, you're listening, you're doing both. Coming up on Monday, the uh, show will no longer be on Audience Channel 239 Direct TV and BR Live, but we will be on our YouTube channel. Early results are in on the live stream, and it is great, very positive. YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show on Monday, all three hours. You'll be able to watch free of charge. You just go to uh, YouTube, The Dan Patrick Show. Have that for you coming up on Monday. We put in five more cameras here. And uh, couldn't find some real talent to do it. So I got the big German kid directing and a kid named Dylan who got our breakfast last week who's now doing our graphics. We're ready to go. We're ready to go into battle. We're a big-time program here. That's what we are. All right. uh, Every year, every year the same thing happens at the NFL Scouting Combine. Smart people get together, and they make mistakes overrating all the measurements that are going to pour in this week. Now, they remind us that Jerry Rice and Larry Fitzgerald didn't run fast 40s. Somebody brings out a work, uh, brings up a workout wonder like Mike Mamula. Remember him? Pass rusher out of Boston College. He dominated the combine and wasn't great in the NFL. The case has been laid out to us this time and time and time again. So what do we do? We spend all week reading too much into the numbers. People are already up in arms because Joe Burrow only has nine-inch hands. Give me a break. Did anybody say this during the regular season? You know, if he had larger hands, he would have thrown for 70 touchdowns. Did he fumble a lot? He threw 60 touchdown passes in, what, six interceptions? I know that we just want to talk football. We're looking for storylines, whether it's the Combine or Tom Brady's future home. But what happens at the Combine should stay at the Combine, because I'm not a big Combine guy. I appreciate seeing some of these guys doing some things, but it really doesn't mean much. Scouts will tell you the things that they want to know and see. They want to they want to look at your medicals. They want to sit down and talk to you, and they want to see what you do if you're a quarterback in front of the big whiteboard that they have, where they tell you a play or this is the play. You tell me what's going to happen. Those are the things they want to know. Wonderlick. It depends on the team whether they value that or not. But those are the things. Your forty yard dash. They know that you're going like a four three. Three or four, three, five. Is that really going to change your draft status? If it does, then I have some serious doubts about those who are doing the drafting there. There's football fast, and there's just regular fast, regular speed. And there's a big difference in that. Because Larry Fitzgerald was not football fast. Jerry Rice was not football fast. It's how fast are you when you're playing? Emmett Smith was not football fast. He gained 18,000 yards. Not 40 fast. I want you quick. You give me quick, I'll give you speed, you give me quickness. And I think I'll beat you every time. 
Because I want to know how, how quick it takes to get from point A to point B. Not if I get to top end speed. Like Usain Bolt took 60 yards to get to top end speed. And then when he did, then you didn't touch him. But football is not about, hey, can I get to 60 yards and then I get to top end speed? It's about, I need 10 yards, 5 yards. How quick are you off the ball? Because everything is predicated on timing now. Get the ball out. Get to your route. You know, beat press coverage. Get to the quarterback. It's all about milliseconds here. And I think that's what we should be focusing on, not how fast somebody runs a 40-yard dash. It's entertainment. And it allows Rich Eisen to raise money for St. Jude's, and he's able to uh, go in there and you know do a great job running the 40-yard dash. Other than that, if Henry Ruggs Jr. the third from Alabama does a 4-240, great. What's more important is he's got big hands, and it feels like he never drops the football. That would be what I want to know. Those are the things. And nobody is telling you about how big the hands are of a wide receiver. Those are the guys who have to catch the ball. But a quarterback, oh, my God, nine-inch hands. He'll oh, pre, you know, Like Joe Burrow said, please pray for me because I may retire. Yeah, McLevin. Just backtrack a little bit. Edmund Smith didn't have to be that football fast to get through those gigantic Oh, balls. here we go. Here we I go. mean, it was like a nine-foot gap every time with Larry Allen blocking for him. Just say, all right. Yeah. By the way, Daniel Jeremiah says there's five guys today who might break the 40 record. I know, but I just want to know if you can play. John Ross could run really, really fast. But then he had this highlight at Washington where he was juking everybody, yeah. and so I was excited for him, and then it just didn't translate immediately. I would watch those games, not highlights. And he was good at Washington, yes. right? You said it. He you was, enjoyed him. He was, when, when he got the ball, he was excited. But in the NFL, you kind of have to work a little harder to get the ball. We're still not sure what's happening with this collective bargaining agreement. It feels like uh, it's sort of top-end with the criticism. The uh, high-ranking guys, the guys making all the money, are the ones who are critical of this. And uh, DeMora Smith heads up the NFL Players Association. He's at the Combine, and he just met with the media talking about the 17-game schedule. I think that uh, no player would want to, to, to play an extra game. Um, and that's why um, it's been such a long, torture process of, of talking about it. But, um, you know, I think you went on the road with us uh, to, to visit a team. That's a conversation that I had with every team, that the league was conditioning an early deal on the 17th game. And that was a part of the package for an early deal. Um, remember, all of this conversation is about an early deal and a deal that gets done before expiration. And that was a critical term for the players. And for the players who have, you know, don't want to do 17 under any reason, um, those players will vote their contract. I'm really surprised that he said these players don't want to play a 17 game. Like, the language of that. You know, he's not softening it by saying, look, well, this will become the norm, 17-game schedule, and and uh, teams will get their players ready. The players will get themselves ready for an extra game. If I'm an NFL player, I don't want to play a 17th game. Even if I'm uh, the second-string linebacker, offensive lineman, there's no reason to add a 17th game other than greed. That's it. So no, neither side can go, hey, we're worried about your safety. You're not worried about our safety. It's 17 games. This is about money. The owners want it, and if – if I'm the players, this is your only leverage point. This is it. 
and I don't know if they played their hand correctly. But, you know, hey, we got to get that early deal. If we're going to have this early deal, we have to have a 17-game schedule. Okay. Why not let this drag out a little bit? Maybe put a little more pressure on the owners because the owners want to get a TV deal done. They can't get the TV deal done until they get this deal done because are we going to have a wild, another a wild card uh, game? Are we going to have a 17th game? Like that, those are big things. And it feels like the players need to be more into a longer game than the short game. If the owners want a deal done, I don't want that deal if I'm a player. And it feels like the owners are all in on this. Yes, yeah, I wonder if you'll start to see an uptick in players benching themselves for a game. Well, it, you could say a healthy scratch, or we might have load management in the NFL. Mm. I really believe that. If, if there's 17 games, if I'm a coach or a GM, and I don't necessarily need you, then I would sit you down. And how many times do we see some of these elite teams where week 15 and 16 don't matter? Now if I have to play a 17th game, maybe I play in week 15. I don't play in 16 and 17. Or I don't play in 16, but I play in 17. I think you're going to have load management here with some of these star players. And you'll notice the star players are the ones who don't like this deal. But I go back to if the owners think it's great, then I don't think it's great. The owners want to get this done. I don't want to get this done. Yeah, Paul. But the owners are sitting back there thinking, fine, pass on the 17th game. We'll go back to the current system where you guys get 47% of the share and you won't go to 48, and it'll be status quo. And we'll just add the playoff game and get a whole bunch more money for that. And most of you players will not share in that playoff game, yeah. just the ones who make the playoffs. The only way you're going to get change here is if you call somebody's bluff. That's all. If the owners call the player's bluff or vice versa, but the 17 game, there's no need for it. You want to add the wild card. Add two more wild card teams. I've been a big proponent of that. But the 17-game schedule, there's no need for it. Nobody was calling for it. It's just the owners who say, hey, if you want more money, you got to play an extra game. So that, that dispels the myth that either side cares about their health. Now, post-career, all right, the owners care about our health post-career. Players care about their health post-career. When they play, Nobody cares about anybody's health. I mean, you want your star players to stay healthy, but that's about it. So that that was just happening. Greg Olson, the uh, new tight end for the Seahawks, will join us coming up, get his thoughts on the collective bargaining agreement and what he thinks is going on in Carolina because they've sort of invested in Cam, reinvested in Cam Newton, but I don't believe it. Don't believe it for a second. Well, we were talking about uh, John Belushi's. Yes, we got sidetracked here on the program. Yeah, go figure. John Belushi's sweatshirt from Animal House. It just said college on it. And uh, the guy who ran the shop, he ran a t-shirt shop in southern Illinois, Carbondale, Illinois, he just passed away. And Paulie brought it to our attention since he went to uh, southern Illinois. Belushi was there visiting his brother Jim and got a sweatshirt that just said college on it. And that's what he wore in the movie. And we were wondering about the most valuable movie memorabilia. McLovin, you got a list? Yeah, I have uh, some of them. This is one list from mentalfloss.com. Okay. Uh, we got Luke Skywalker's lightsaber along the lines of what we've been saying. That's big. The Maltese Falcon. I haven't seen that movie in a while, so that's like... Do you get the Falcon? I guess you do. It's like a it's like a statue. Yeah. It kind of looks like a Heisman, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, the DeLorean from Back to the Future. I feel like we've seen that somewhere. Why do I feel like we've seen that? Is that at the Sony lot? I think, yeah, it might be. It might be at the Sony lot. What was it? The what was that? Remember when you were doing Sports Jeopardy? There was those cool things. And, oh, is it Ghostbusters truck? 
There was uh, an ambulance from Ghostbusters. I think there was uh, the Breaking Bad, SU, or the uh, yeah. Winnebago, and there was uh, Ricky Bobby's car from Talladega Nights, I believe. Yeah, Paul. When uh, Seton was doing a, a video over at Sony Lot, remember the props guy took oh, us around? Yeah. And we went in this back room, and it was just, it was like an acre of hangers and, and clothes, and it had a picture on them. You could go around and see uh, all the clothes that people wore in movies, and that's where they ended up, but the people didn't take them. Like, Ricky Bobby's fire suit from uh, from the movie is in, in there hanging, and you're like, that's one he wore, and there's a picture of Will Ferrell in it, and it's hanging there. It's really cool. What else do you have, McLovin? Uh, Steve McQueen's racing suit from Le Mans. Well, I'd uh, rather have his motorcycle from The Great Escape. Oh, my God. Can you imagine that? Um, these, By the way, these are uh, ones that have actually auctioned off, so there are other oh, items. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number two is Marilyn Monroe's dress from The Seven-Year Itch. I remember when that story came out. That went for millions and millions of dollars. The one that blows up on the subway oh, yeah. Event. Yeah, the, yeah. And the most expensive prop ever auctioned off was the Aston Martin from one of the James Bonds. No. Not bad. From Goldfinger. Oh, okay. Are you an Aston Martin? Remember those cars? Yeah, I, I was just a Sean Connery fan. So if you were going to do a poll, best James Bond. Oh, it's not even close. James Bond is Sean Connery. So one of those was sold. For- like, it's different. James Bond is Sean Connery. Sean Connery is not James Bond. The way I view it is John, James Bond is Sean Connery. It's what, a difference. One of those sold off to Aston Martins for $4.6 million in an auction. Yeah. Pretty penny. Yeah. Uh, Todd in North Carolina. Hey, Todd, what do you have for me today? Hey, Dan, it's good to talk to you. I love the show, especially when Fritzy's out. I'm not just joking. Actually, I love oh, Wow. <laughs> no, actually, he's, my, he's my namesake. I got four. All right. Uh, what I was calling about was, how about the uh, Ruby Slippers and Wizard of Oz from yep. Memorabilia? Yeah, that was a big one. I was just thinking about the Wicked uh, Witch of the West with her costume when she melts down. But thank you, Todd. That's a good one. Uh, Travis in California joins us. Hi, Travis. I got two for you to stay on the car theme. I got to get the family truckster from vacation. I mean, that's iconic. <laughs> and the uh, the classic, uh, I want to know what happened to the chess set that Andy Dufresne worked on the entire time at Shawshank Redemption. I'd like to set that up at home. Oh, man, that's pretty good there, Travis. Thank you. Uh, Fritzy just weighed in. What about Danny's big wheel from The Shining? Shocker's going creepy. Yeah. Well, he also said Rocky's robe and trunks from the first Apollo Creed fight. He does love that Rocky series. Uh, let me see. Reggie in Mississippi. Hey, Reg, what do you have for me? Hey, man, 6-1, solid two, honey. How to go with the, uh, uh, the the Michael Jackson thriller jacket. Now, I know it's a long movie, a music video, but it was also in one of the Sandler movies, I understand. All right. That's fair. That's okay, fair. Take my call. All right. Thanks, Reg. Yeah. There's so many items, though, when you start to think about it. But the value of them, if you put them out on the open market there, like the most the most valuable piece of movie memorabilia, no matter what, would be. Spicoli sta- skateboard from Fast Times at Richmond High. Mm, yeah. More personal. Yeah. Or the van that they fall out of oh. when they pull up to school there. Yeah. What would be the one piece that you would bring home and your wife would go, why? Like you, but but it would mean something to you, where you go, oh my God, look at this piece of memorabilia I got. Now I, uh, most of this memorabilia that's here in the man cave, uh, it was at my house, and my wife kept saying, why do you need that? And I go, someday I'm going to use it. And then we moved into this new man cave, and of course now I'm running out of room, 
Now I need a new man cave. Yeah, Paul. I bought something about six months ago. I bought a couple pieces from the TV show Mad Men. There's a site where you could buy little things from their set. Yeah. And I bought an ashtray from, and among, among other things, from uh, Don Draper's desk, the star, John yeah. Hamm. Yeah. And it was it was like 35 bucks. It wasn't that much money, but it's one he actually used in a scene in his certificate. My wife goes, you don't smoke. No one we know smokes. No one's going to use this. It's just going to sit here forever. Yeah, but you could put some candy in there. Yeah. You could put some mints in there. I felt pretty good about it. Yeah. How about John Travolta's suit from Saturday Night Fever? The white one? I don't think you wear that, though. I think you just you put that on a man- mannequin, something like that. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Uh, I mentioned a couple of NBA things. LeBron sitting out uh, injured, I guess, groin, his own. And uh, he's not going to be able to play this next game. But it feels like I don't think this is load management. This might be just precautionary. I don't know if there's a, a big deal there. I, I was curious about Memphis and Houston last night because, you know, I love me some Memphis Grizzlies. And I thought, let me – I, I got to keep watching small ball here because I'm just not quite sure. Like, part of me goes – Small ball with the Rockets is actually working. I don't know if it'll work in the uh, postseason because we see a lot of times styles work in the regular season. They don't work in the postseason. And certainly with the Houston Rockets. Russell Westbrook Jr., the third at 33. Harden at 30. That's the seventh time these guys have both had 30 or more in a game. So that puts him in that Steph Curry, Clay Thompson category for most such games by any guard in a season in the last, what, 50 years. Harden and Westbrook have done that uh, seven times now. And I think that's what, you know, you start to watch it and you go, they're they're challenging matchups. And you're seeing this with the NBA. Why are the Bucs a challenging matchup? Because they have so much length. The Lakers are a challenging matchup because they have so much length here. This, hey, let's all be like the Steph Curry Golden State Warriors, as McLovin would always say. Why doesn't everybody just do that? Because I said eventually somebody changes the philosophy here, and they, they counterattack you. And that's what Milwaukee is doing. Now, they, they shoot the three, but they have rim protectors. They have length inside. The Lakers have length inside. Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, and you got LeBron. You got a lot of length there, yeah, McLovin. But it hasn't worked yet. We don't know that that. No, formula... no. I'm I'm just saying that it. Not everybody was going to try to be the Golden State Warriors. Everybody thought that they should try to do that, but it's kind of silly. Silly to think, hey, just go out there and you guys can be just like Golden State. And I go, uh, you're not Durant, you're not Clay Thompson, you're not Steph Curry. That's why you don't go out and go, hey, we'll just adopt that philosophy. By the way, did you see the John Morant, uh, Russell Westbrook back and forth? Yeah. John said, he's, man, Westbrook put a beating on him last yeah, night. Yeah, but John, John Morant was complimentary. He said he's one of the most disrespected guys in the league. Yeah. But awesome at basketball. Well, I think disrespected is that he's not respected. I don't think. Oh, my God, I misread that whole headline. Because I thought Russell, you're right, I thought he was disrespected because everyone's mad at Russell right now. He keeps getting technical. Well, yeah, I get that. But, oh, man. Yeah, but I, I think John Morant was just saying, hey, the, he's being disrespected. They forget how great, because he said, this guy's averaged a triple-double in, what, the last four seasons. His numbers this year are remarkable, but nobody's talking about Russell Westbrook. He's averaging 27, 8, and 8, I think. 
And it's, oh, by the way, he's averaging that. You know, he's compared to Harden, but Russell Westbrook has lived up to his end of the bargain here. And I think there were some real questions, right? Beginning of the year, how beginning of the season, how are these two going to coexist? And they have, right? They, they've coexisted so far. I completely failed on the fake beef there. That is so disappointing. Yeah, I know. You were like, man, I can't believe John Morant went after Russell Westbrook. And I went, I was reading I Twitter and all last night. I was like, can you see what Westbrook's doing to jaw? He is just destroying him left and right. A memorabilia suggestion, Phoebe Cates red bikini in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Wow. Todd's still laying in. Yeah, huh? that's Fritzy at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Fritzy. All right, we'll take a break. Greg Olson now with the Seattle Seahawks will join us. Get his thoughts on this 17-game schedule. Also, playing with the Seahawks. Why the Seahawks? Was this about winning a championship or just playing another season? Because I thought he was going to go into the broadcast booth. And also, we'll uh, ask him about what he thinks the Carolina Panthers, his former team, are doing right now. 22 after the hour. More phone calls coming up here on the Dan Patrick Show back after this. When it comes to comfort down below, there's underwear and there's Tommy John, the revolutionary clothing brand that's redefined comfort for Americans everywhere, including me. To put it simply, Tommy John doesn't give an F. They give three Fs, fabric, fit, and function. See what he did there? Tommy John obsesses over every little detail and stitch by using proprietary fabrics that perform like nothing you've ever worn before. As a result, Tommy John's men's and women's underwear sport a non-wedgie guarantee. No wedgies, comfortable stay-put waistbands and a range of fabrics that are luxuriously soft, Feather light, moisture, wicking, breathable, and designed to move with you, not against you. No bunching, no riding up. If you prefer to shop in stores, you can find them in over 1,200 retail locations across the country. Give three apps about your underwear and upgrade with Tommy John today. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Patrick for 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash Patrick for 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash Patrick. Once again, hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Patrick for 20% off your first order. TommyJohn.com slash Patrick. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Once again, it's Geico Easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com. A couple more phone calls, and then we'll talk to Greg Olson. Now with the Seattle Seahawks. Edward in California joins us. Hi, Edward. What do you have for me today? Hey, Dan. I uh, just wanted to put my input on the uh, the memorabilia, the movie memorabilia. Yep. Uh, what about uh, John Travolta's uh, leather jacket or the red car they fly off at the end of the movie? Yeah, yeah, we were mentioning that in his white suit from Saturday Night Fever. Uh, but, yeah, thank you. Christian in uh, Maine joins us. Hey, Christian, what do you have? Hey, Dan, how's it going? Good, sir. What do you have? I, I've, got a, I've got a number one seed and a number two seed. My number one seed is the briefcase from Pulp Fiction. Good call. Like my, number two, my number two seed is your white shorts from Grown Ups 2 when you climb the rope. Oh, I don't I, – I could probably get those. Thank you, Christian. I actually had a butt double climbing up the rope. Those look pretty snug, those shorts. Well, they were snug. Yeah. And they gave me um, – is it a is it a cod piece, McLovin? <laughs> I believe so. I don't yeah. know why you asked me that, but yes. Yeah. Well, I just figured that you had a good 
commanded the English language. I don't want the shorts. I definitely don't want the codpiece. Okay. But I remember when Sandler said, hey, here are your shorts, and then I put them on, and I go, these are kind of snug. He goes, exactly. And then, you know, with Sandler, you always feel like you're being set up, where you go, wait, is the joke on me, or is the joke that I'm going to have a joke for the audience? And then I realized that a lot of times the joke is actually, like the Larry Bird costume that I wore in Grown Ups 2, I think, or Grown Ups, um, that was snug, too. And then you realize that, and Sandler always wanted me in a mustache. And I thought, okay, I get it. It took me a little while before I realized that Sandler was making fun of me. By then, I didn't matter, or didn't care. Greg Olson is ready. The uh, Seattle Seahawks, man, it sounds strange to say that. The Seattle Seahawks tight end, former Panthers tight end, originally drafted by the Bears, joining us on the program. You know, when I saw the news, Greg, I was wondering, is this to play for a championship again to get back to a Super Bowl, or is this just playing another season? You know, I think you always want to put yourself in the best position to, you know, play meaningful games and contend and compete, but you know, I think it's so hard. To, if you set out every year and you just tried to pick a team solely based on winning the Super Bowl, I mean, it'd be like winning the lottery. There's so many factors, so many teams before the season look great, so many seasons, so many teams every year kind of surprise you. You know, I was looking for consistency. What, you know, what teams have played at a high level for a long time? And, and Seattle's at the top of that list with, a, you know, only a handful of other teams. And the fact that they were as interested as they were, combined with all those other factors I mentioned, you know, it gives you a chance. How the season goes, time will tell. But, you know, you, you're always going to be in the mix with a guy like Russell and a system and an organization like that. And that was appealing to me. Do you call Russell Wilson or do you wait for him to call you? We've talked quite a bit. We uh, we connected shortly after Panthers notified me of my release the week of the Super Bowl and, and got together and spent some time. And he's been awesome. We've had really good dialogue um, through this whole process. Um, you know, we've talked about where to send kids to school. And we've talked about, you know, <laughs> different thoughts of offense and different thoughts of how they've used the tight end in the past and some things that I've had success with that maybe they haven't implemented. So we've, we've covered a lot of ground, and uh, he's super impressive. He's super engaged. He's, you know, he operates pretty much everything he does at a really high level, and, and it's been fun to you know, really get to know him through this process. How scary is retirement? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably not far off. But, you know, I think the unknown and, and giving up on what you've done your whole life I think is scary. But I also think, you know, when that time comes, I'm going to be ready for it. You know, I, I wasn't sure what this year was going to bring. And if the opportunities weren't out there, I was going to be very content moving on. But I still wanted to play. I still knew I could play. But, um it's definitely a transition that a lot of guys face, and it's inevitable. And uh, I'll let you know when I get there. <laughs> How did the fans in Seattle treat you in the number of times? I think you might have played there five times, maybe six times. How did they treat you? Uh, not great. <laughs> not great. I don't. Their, you know, their their fan base is awesome. I mean, they are loud. They are. I mean, they are energetic. It's you know, arguably the best in, best home environment. You know, in the entire league, uh, we played playoff games up there. We played a lot of great regular season games there. In 15, we had like an all-time classic game. It's uh, 
it's a unique and, and really special fan base and, and stadium and environment. And I'm just hopefully that I can do some things that now they'll be cheering for me instead of making my life miserable on the other side. He's the Seahawks tight end, Greg Olson, joining us on the program. Uh, what are you going to do with all your Carolina gear? I guess I could follow Ron's, Ron's kind of uh, yard sale. Salad, but you know, and I told the kids they, you know, we're still Charlotte people. We're going to live here in town when when my career is done at some point. You know, we'll be Panther fans. We'll go to games. We'll support the team. You know, we we still obviously are, you know, have our roots. The kids have lived almost their whole lives here in in Charlotte. So, you know, we'll never lose that. You know, this is not like we're going to disappear off the face of the earth and never come back. We're we're Charlotte, Carolina people. We've we've, we've loved raising our kids here. We've loved growing up here and uh, building our family. So, we're not going to cheer for them too much this year. But I got some really good buddies on the team that obviously I want them to do well, but. You know, we're all in on Seattle right now, and, you know, we're going to give them everything we have to try to be the best asset we can to that entire organization and see what it brings us. What's going on with the Carolina Panthers? We had Christian McCaffrey on at the Super Bowl, and I said, are you rebuilding? And he said yes. Yeah, you know, I think I think that's where all the signs are pointing. Um you know, obviously nobody's going to come right out and say that. That's kind of the taboo world, the taboo word of that world. But, you know, I think they're fortunate. They do have a lot of good players still. You know, guys like Christian, obviously. We'll see what happens with Cam. If they bring him back, they'll always have a chance. But uh, but if I if I said, let me, let me listen to, let me hear from analyst Greg Olson, not former player, what do you think Carolina should do at the quarterbacking position? It depends. If they want to win, I, I think it really comes down to is the organization content on not winning this year to improve draft draft capital, future draft picks. If you don't want to win, then you don't bring Cam Newton back. If you want to win and you want to compete from day one, then you bring Cam Newton back. So I, I think it really it's a super easy decision once they make their you know once their philosophy and their approach is settled. And I don't know whether that has been or not, but once that is, I think then the decision with Cam really just marries up with whichever path the organization wants to take for the 2020 season. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I feel the same way. Just because they came out and said, you know, we want him back, I, I don't think Cam's going to be the starting quarterback for Carolina when this season starts. I just, I, you're gone. Luke Keekley retires. Uh, Cam, we're not sure about new coach, new offensive coordinator, new owner in there. Just feels like time for sweeping changes. And McCaffrey, you're not going to get up, uh, get rid of. So you kind of build around him. But I, I just can't see Cam as the starting quarterback. Yeah, which is unfortunate. But as I kind of alluded to at the end of the season, and I kind of saw the writing on the walls it pertained to be. Sometimes change just leads to more change, and it doesn't mean it's good or bad. It, it just it is, and uh, you know, if they're gonna if they're gonna start fresh on all those other things, maybe they decide that it's time to start fresh on everything. Um, but again, we won't know until that decision is made, and I don't know when that. You know, I've, I've kind of obviously lost a lot of insight, and you know, a lot of the people that you know we had kind of grown with that organization through the last nine years have kind of moved on to other places. So I wish those guys nothing but. You know, great success. I have a lot of respect for Matt Rule. I had a chance to spend.
spend a lot of time with him over the last, you know, his first couple weeks on the job and was really impressed with his vision and his his expertise in, in building things and whatnot. So I think those guys will figure it out. Uh, I just, you know, I don't know if anybody understands right now the timetable that they're operating on. A number of high-profile players like J.J. Watt, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson are no rush to sign this new CBA. What's what's the big concern? You know, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, I, I think what happens a lot of times is, you know, guys see it through the lens of how it affects them, and I think that's human nature, and, and I don't I don't blame anybody. You know, guys that are at the later stage in their career, you know, post-retirement benefits and you know, what it means for me in my post-playing days, that's a huge factor. If I'm a young guy in my first year or two and I'm kind of on the on the fence, I'm a borderline roster guy, I'm trying to make as much as I can in the shortest period of time that I can because I don't know how long my career is going to be. And then there's all these guys kind of in the middle that are kind of in flux. They're just kind of in the meat of their careers and they're kind of being pulled in each direction. So I, I think... Anytime you're trying to find a deal that works for 1,200 guys that are all different situations and different economics and, and priorities, it's uh, it's hard for 1,200 to negotiate against 31. You know, and uh, it's just it's just a tough situation. I remember going through it back in 2011. I'm one of the few guys that went through the last CBA, and, and now it's obviously still playing for this CBA and. Uh, we went through a lot of these same arguments, this same back and forth in, in 2011, and we find ourselves ten, you know, nine years later kind of doing it all again. I'll leave you with this. When you get to Seattle, I got one tip for you. All right. Don't take your shirt off around DK Metcalf. No, that's, uh, <laughs> that's not going to happen. I'm standing as far away from him. If you want to hear a funny story, Dan, I actually played in Chicago with DK Metcalf's father. <laughs> so that's how old I am wow. slash how young he is. So this will be the first time in my career that I will play with a father and son. <laughs> His father was Terrence Metcalf. He was one of our offensive linemen in Chicago my first uh, year or so in Ch- up there. And uh, here I am all these years later playing with his kid. Uh, hey, congratulations. Uh, good luck with that move there, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Thank you, Greg. Greg Olson now with the Seattle Seahawks. He has over 700 career receptions, fifth most in NFL history, by a player who went to the U. You start to look at this list of wide receivers. Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, Michael Irvin, Santana Moss, and then Greg Olson. So the U, what would be the number one wide receiving uh, school in the last 30 years? Yeah, McLeod. Well, wow. you had you had Odell and Landry and guys at LSU together. Then you had Clemson with Hopkins and Sammy Watkins and five other pros at that one time. So recently, those were the two hotbeds, right? Yeah. Well, Landry and Odell Beckham, I don't. I that mean, was a blip, right, for LSU. They're not wide receiver you at all, are they? Well, they might be this season. I don't know. Alabama's got a couple of guys who are going to be first round picks. They have Julio and Amari Cooper. Or, yeah. Which is funny because that's not a passing program, really. No. Who would you consider? Now, we have linebacker U. That was always Penn State. Quarterback U was BYU for a little while there. Um, 
running back you? Yeah, Paulie. USC's had a pretty good run the past two decades. Yeah, like Robert Woods, not like top-end guys, but they've had a lot of guys drafted high. Notre Dame back in the day had a bunch drafted. Yeah, but I don't think either of those are no. wide receiver you. Who's running back you? Is that that's Miami? Oh, okay. oh, yeah, Miami too. Yeah, Miami recently. Nebraska and, and uh, Oklahoma back in the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, McLovin. The team just pointed out Georgia has had a lot no, of talent. They do. <laughs> they always have a great running back, it feels like. Uh, Alabama. Yeah, but, you know, it's like Wisconsin running backs are amazing in college. But then you wonder, uh-oh, are they going to translate? Wisconsin just gives you offensive linemen and a running back who might be the all-time leading rusher in NCAA history. Well, Wisconsin, you've got to go uh, offensive line yes. now. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, let me take a break. We'll uh, close up shop. I'll uh, try to bring a couple of Meet Friday songs, some more phone calls on movie memorabilia. What we learn, what's in store tomorrow. Back after this. Unbelievable, man. Tight. Go off, dude. We ready to do this stuff? We're ready to rock, man. We ready to rock, camera yeah. guys. Ready to roll. Mike, you ready? Ready. Ready. This is free to hop box and exclusively available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com. Clicking on the Support This Podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and, of course, supporting. And now, back to the show. This day in sports history, what we learned, all of that coming up. Dan and the Danette, Stan Patrick Show. Uh, some people have uh, pointed out Big Earn's uh, Rose Bowling Ball from Kingpin would be a good piece of uh, movie memorabilia. How about the uh, Wonder Boy bat from The Natural? But didn't he break that? He broke that, right? Yeah, broke for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't like that movie. I know I get criticized every time I say it. I just I don't know. I just didn't like it. Did you like Field of Dreams? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I liked it. It was good. You know, when he wants to have a catch with his dad, that eh, got me a little bit there. I'm an old softie. Let me see. A couple other people weighing in on uh, TV or uh, movie memorabilia. Sean in California. Hi, Sean. What do you have for me today? Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Sean. So, I got a piece of memorabilia. I'm hoping I get a pass on this because it's technically not a movie. Right. feels like a movie. But I would love to, just to see the look on my girlfriend's face when she walked in the door, I would love to have the Iron Throne from Game of Thrones just sitting in the living room. Do you know that I saw that? And thank you, Sean. I went down to CNN in New York into, into their offices and, and met with Jeff Zucker, the head of CNN. And I was in there to talk about some things with this show. And uh, in, in the lobby there, they've got the Game of Thrones chair. And I, and I took a picture of it. And I sent it to my son. He goes, where are you? Like he was going crazy over it. I go, I'm here at CNN. And I said, I think that's the Game of Thrones chair. And he goes, who's got that? And like he was asking me all these questions. I said, is this a big deal? And he was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, Paul. But imagine our last caller, what is his name, Sean, in his, his dopey little apartment. He's got the Game of Thrones <laughs> chair then like an Ikea chair on the other end. And then a flat screen and nothing else. Yeah, like a 32-inch flat screen. 
Uh, most receptions by wide receivers in college and the NFL since 2000. Ohio State, Miami, LSU, Florida, USC, and Florida State, according to our buddy Tim from Stats Inc. Oh, I got to get this Meet Friday song. The boys in the back said you really like this one. Brandon in Florida brings us broken wings. that Mario passed this on to me. That's a double shot at Mario, but powerful. That's Brandon in Florida, Broken Wings. <laughs> Keep them to a minute or less, and then once we get to March, we get to March Madness. It's our Meat Madness, and then we'll have these songs. We have our brackets. You'll be able to vote on who will be going to the final fork and then eventually winning the title and getting a Traeger drill. All right, this day in sports history, Paulie. Got a bunch of them, 1908. MLB adopted the sacrifice fly rule, and then it went back and forth a bunch of times before it was permanent in 1954, which no one could still define. 1912, the New York Yankees announced they would be wearing pinstripes on their uniforms. 1912, big move there. 1963, Mickey Mantle signed a contract worth $100,000 with the Yankees. 1987, NCAA canceled SMU's entire 1987 football season for gross violations of NCAA rules. That's the old death penalty. And 2002, Houston Astros announced they struck a deal with Enron to buy back the naming rights to their oh, ballpark. Yeah. And it was Astros Field for a little bit. And then 2003, Emmett Smith became a free agent for the first time in his career when the Dallas Cowboys released. Drew in California. Hey, Drew. How you doing, Pat? How you doing, Dan? Good, sir. Uh, the, memor- the memorabilia. Uh, the one that you would want to have is Steve McQueen's Mustang from Bullet. Yep. Yep. And one that you have no idea why you have is the rubber hand from Kingpin. <laughs> Woody Harrelson's hand, uh, they got caught in there. Yeah, I think that, isn't that uh, Cobra that Steve McQueen drove? I, I think it's that's a Cobra that he drove in Bullet, wasn't it? Check it. It's probably worth a couple million dollars, I'm going to guess. Uh, Max in Michigan. Hey, Max, what do you have for me? Hey, what's up, DP? Hey, bud. First off, props on your Flyers having success this year in hoops. Thank you. Um, movie memorabilia, Beverly Hills Cop, the Detroit Lions coat that uh, Eddie Murphy wore. I like it. I like it. That's uh, respect, clean. Yeah, Paulie. The car, Steve McQueen's car, was a 68 Ford Mustang 390 GT 2x2 fastback. Okay, so it wasn't a Cobra. No, but it was a fastback with the slanted yeah. But there's a story I Googled. Uh, Steve McQueen tried to own a Cobra, and the studio said you cannot own that car because it's too dangerous, a Shelby Cobra. Yeah. So they're, they're right. There was something with a Cobra. And those are very expensive cars. What is a Cobra? Sorry, I feel stupid. It looks like a the Ford M- Mustang. What did you learn today, McLovin? I learned that Greg Olson played with D.K. Metcalf's uh, father. Yeah. Seton O'Connor. What did you learn today? I learned Greg Olson. Not sure if he's afraid of retirement. Paulie, what did you learn? ESPN's Jeff Darlington, as of now, has not accepted a $5,000 bet. Yeah. 
I'm surprised. Now, he might say that he was, quote-unquote, busy and couldn't join us. Talk about the Tom Brady bet. There's always tomorrow for Jeff Darlington. What did I learn, McLovin? You learned that Jeff Darlington owns a dog. Wow. Or, as Mark Jackson said, I own three dogs. Afraid by a dog. Yeah, he always screwed that up. Like, dude, if you're afraid, you don't buy a dog. He goes, I got three of them. LegalZoom.com, take care of your business needs under the promo code Patrick at checkout. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. Talk to you tomorrow. Podcast One has some exciting news. It's official. Our shows are now available on Spotify. And it's free. We want to make it super easy for you and your friends to listen to our podcast. And joining Spotify allows us to be in even more places for fans to find us. If you're already listening to music on Spotify, you can now listen to our podcasts in the same place. If you're not on Spotify yet, all you have to do is download the free app. That's right. No credit card necessary. And simply search for our shows to start listening. Napa know-how. Right now, only at Napa, AAA members get a 20% discount. So you can avoid getting stranded on the side of the road by picking up some quality parts like batteries, brake pads, and more. Meaning you can prevent the problem before it ever becomes a problem. Bravo. That's 20% off for AAA members. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, exclusions apply. May not be combined with other offers. Offer ends 33120. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details.